Good morning. Good to be with you today. Uh, there's going to be a picture on the screen, and I want you to tell me who that is. No, not that guy. That guy. There we go. King Charles. Good. First service thought it was Queen Elizabeth, but they were wrong. <laughs> uh, that is King Charles, and on May 6th, uh, he had his coronation at Westminster Abbey in England. Uh, he was officially crowned with a ceremony that was watched by an estimated 400 million people around the world. The ceremony itself cost around $125 million and took years to organize. I personally didn't watch it when it happened, but I did Google pictures later because I find all of it very fascinating and uh, interesting. Um, it's just the, t- the tradition, the extravagance of the royal family. It's just one of those like, we've got to see what's going on, right? Uh, it's not just me, though, guys. It's not just me. The 400 people that watched the coronation, 400 million people, they wanted to do that, too. But get this, uh, an estimated 4.1 billion people tuned in at some point to Queen Elizabeth's funeral in September. 4.1 billion. So I'm not the only one who's Googling things about the royal family, guys. There's something that attracts us to kings and queens. It might be that diamond right there. That's kind of attractive. Um, We study them, right? We have movies and TV shows about them. I mean, 4.1 billion people watched the funeral of Queen Elizabeth. So there's something that's attractional about the royalty. But while we have lots of interest in watching the spectacle of royalty and the whole pomp and circumstance of the festivities, what I don't see is the same amount of loyalty to the royalty. I don't see where the enthusiasm for the monarch translate to people actually bowing down and serving them. My life is not affected by them. I don't change what I do because of them. I'm not dictated by what they say. I just think that the golden carriages and the crown jewels are fascinating. Google how much the crown jewels are worth. It's extraordinary but my life's not affected by them. In one article I read about the, the, as I was reading about the monarchy and the people's interest in them, one person said, well, for us, it's mostly a form of entertainment. It's kind of nice to watch when it doesn't really affect you. And so even with all this fascination of kings and queens, for the most part, the royalty in the world doesn't actually affect our lives. We're fascinated, but not affected. Just, but just because we may not pledge our lives and serve actual kings and queens, there are things to which we do pledge our lives. There are things that we let dictate our lives. There are things that we serve and that rule us. All of us have a king. We all have that person or that thing we pledge our loyalty to and our lives and are ruled by it. But most of our kings don't wear crowns or ride in golden carriages. Nevertheless, we still serve lots of kings. And here's some examples that I want to throw out this morning of kings that rule our lives. The first one that can rule our life is money. When money is your king, you pledge your life and your career to it, to seeking after it. When money is your king, you order your life around it. It rules you. And money can alter your morality in order to get more of it. 
It can change your relationships because it becomes number one and everything else falls underneath it. Money can be your king. Another king that can rule your life is a career, your profession. You've got something that you want to do. You want to do something to be something. You have this goal and you will do anything to achieve it. You are ruled by the process and the pathway to wherever you want to get. Your career, your goal can be your king. You can be your own king. You can rule your life. You can be your own dictator. You can put yourself at the top and you can serve you and your interests alone. You don't let anyone tell you what to do with your life and what you want is what happens. You can be your own king, your ultimate ruler of your life. Or if you don't want you to be your king, another person can be your king. A spouse, a partner, a boss, famous people, a politician, presidents can be your king. You put your hope in them. You align your life and your wishes, you align your, your life to their wishes, you follow their commands, they affect and dictate what you do. I can list all sorts of things here. Your, your, uh, your king can be pleasure. Your king can be comfort. Your king can be power. Your king can be achievement. Your king is whatever or whomever you serve, whatever rules and dictates your life, whatever you pledge your life to, that's your king. And we were all ruled by some sort of king. So my big question for you today is, who is your king? And we're going to walk through that question today as we continue in the book of Daniel. And Pastor Steve, um, pa Pastor Steve prepped us uh, for today. He briefly talked about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so we're going to continue there. But King Nebuchadnezzar, last week we talked about it. He had this dream and he wanted somebody to interpret it. So he asked all his magicians and his enchanters and sorcerers and astrologers to tell him not only what the interpretation of the dream was, but he also went further and said, I'm not going to even tell you the dream. I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And all of these guys are fretting because King Nebuchadnezzar is going to kill them all if they don't do what he asks. And I love this line in Daniel 2, it's verses 10 and 11. The astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. So in other words, what they're saying is, we can't do this. Our gods are useless, and we're in trouble. But Daniel, he steps in, and he asks for time so that he can go to God and ask God to reveal the dream to him. So he gets more time. He goes back to his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they all ask God to reveal the dream to them, and God does so in a vision. He reveals the dream, and he reveals the interpretation. And at the end of the scripture from last week, we see that Daniel is praising God for revealing this dream and the interpretation to him. And so now we're picking up from there. We're in Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through, 24 through 49. Uh, actually, I'm starting in verse 26. Uh, 26, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, 
Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned of things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue. I'm sure that's exactly the one that he dreamt. It's close. Awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so will it crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be divided a kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, as you saw the iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. So basically, what God revealed to Daniel is that King Nebuchadnezzar, on the statue, he's the big guy. He's the big kahuna. He's the, he's the head of gold, right? And eventually other kingdoms will come after him. None of them as great as his. But eventually, at the very end, all will fall. They all basically became like dust and were swept away. 
because of the rock that was cut out, not by human hands, was thrown at the feet of the statue. The rest of the kingdoms fell, but the rock became this huge mountain, filled up the entire earth and endured forever. And we know that that rock is the kingdom of God that has come through Jesus Christ. And he is the one that will endure forever. So the King Nebuchadnezzar, he hears this, he hears Daniel telling him his dream and the interpretation, and this is what he does in verse 30, 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of God and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. So Daniel just reveals all of this to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he tells King Nebuchadnezzar in this dream, hey dude, you are the gold head. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power. In your hands he's placed all mankind and the beasts of the field. He's made you ruler over them. You are the head of gold. And yet this guy, King Nebuchadnezzar, falls before Daniel and says, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. Even big King Nebuchadnezzar is able to recognize here that God is over all kings. And God is greater than any of the other gods they were worshiping. So that brings me to our, the back to the main question for today. Who is your king? King Nebuchadnezzar realized at that moment that he... Even he, the big kahuna gold head guy, needed to bow down and worship the Lord of kings. The top dog in the world at the time said that God is the ultimate God and king. Why? Because he saw that Daniel's God, the king who Daniel let rule his life, was much greater than him or anything or anybody else around him. King Nebuchadnezzar saw that what God could do and who God is was greater than any other king or God. So we're going to look at our own lives today and our own kings, what rules over us, and ask if our kings stack up against the king. So as we do that, we need to ask some questions. And the first question we need to ask is, is your king able to know the future. Can your king reveal what is to come? People have made money their king for a long time. They've been serving money and letting it rule over them forever. But if money is your king, I can tell you, I know it doesn't know the future. Because if it did, we wouldn't have inflation and stock market crashes and poverty. Money does not know the future. Is your king another person? I have never met anyone in my life so far who can explain all the mysteries of the world and what is to come. I did meet a girl in college who said she can predict every single winner of football games. I never like made for sure that she could do that. I haven't talked to her in a while. I don't know how it's going, but you know that's something. I'm not going to put my hope in that though. And it's certainly not the, the ability to tell all the mysteries to come in the world, right? Other people don't know the future. But if God is your king, he knows the future. 
He knows everything. And if you order your life around God as your king, you are following a God who can order and direct your life based on what is to come. I know sometimes what happens in my life right now doesn't make sense. Sometimes the things God has asked me to do in my life have not made sense. But that's because I don't know the future. They make sense when you know the future. If God is your king, he will direct you based on knowing what is to come. Does your king know the future? Daniel showed King Nebuchadnezzar that God, in fact, does know the future. Next, you need to ask, if, is your king eternal? Now, I think this is a hard one for a lot of us because it's hard to see past tomorrow sometimes in, our, in the busyness of our everyday lives. We've got jobs to go to, bills to pay, laundry to do, kids to raise, high schools to graduate, colleges to go to. Eternity just doesn't seem all that important right now. But eternity is a big deal. And we see it in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. King Nebuchadnezzar is this powerful ruler over this huge kingdom. But he was wondering what is to come. And that's what his dream was about. And God, who knows the future, revealed that to him. And even as great of a kingdom that King Nebuchadnezzar had, as powerful as he was, what happened to his kingdom? It was swept away. The scripture says, not a trace was left. And what was left? This rock. This eternal rock that grew into this huge mountain and filled the entire earth and ruled forever. Why does this matter? We're not going to live forever, right? Can't we just be happy with the kingdom that we're in right now? Can't we just be happy with the day-to-day? Honestly, no, we can't. Because we are eternal beings. One of the verses that we always quote says, Forever who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's more than day-to-day. For those who don't accept the free gift of salvation that Christ offers, they will experience an eternal life separated from God in hell. We are eternal beings. And I think one of the most powerful lies of Satan right now is that this life is all there is. That this life from the time you're born to the time you die and however long or short that might be in between, that that is all there is. And when we live like that, we live very differently. When we live like this is all there is, we take. We take all we can from life because we want to do what makes us happy. 
And if this is all there is, we might as well enjoy and get everything we want out of life. We seek after the pleasures of this world. We seek after the comforts of this world. We seek after things like money and prestige and fame and all these things. Because why not? This is all there is. But that's a lie. This isn't all there is. There's more than our day-to-day lives. And if your king isn't the eternal king, then everything you are doing, whatever or whomever you are serving, will be swept away without a trace. And everything you lived for is gone. Just like in that statue, that entire statue represented all the kingdoms that left without a trace. Nothing. And there was only one eternal rock that was left. And that changes how you live, depending on who is your king. If you are your king, you live for now. You take and you die and you leave whatever mess behind you in your wake in pursuit of whatever it was that you wanted in this life. But if God is your king, you won't be worried about what this life can give you. You won't be worried about all those things that everybody else is worried about because you'll be focusing on God's kingdom and living for something that will outlive yourself, living for something that is the eternal rock. It is God's kingdom. It will go on forever. And I'm sure King Nebuchadnezzar had to process this, guys. Here he is. He is this golden statue, the head of the statue. He's this gold guy. He's on top of it all. He basically, and Daniel says, you are the king of kings. God has put dominion in your hands. And then he tells him, and everything that, uh, that goes with that, without a trace. I'm sure he had to process that. So here he's thinking, so all this that I have and all this power I have and and all I've done and all that I've built is just going to be gone? Now what? All that I've done will be swept away. And if you are not living for the king... The, the kingdom that you build for yourselves will do the same thing. Is that what we want to live for, knowing everything we do will be swept away? Or do we want to live for and serve a God whose kingdom is the rock and it will fill the entire earth and this will rule for eternity and nothing and nobody will take it away? I pick that one. Living for an eternal king versus living for a king of this life changes what you do, how you do it, and why you do it. Is your king eternal? Next, you need to ask if your king is sovereign. Daniel presented to King Nebuchadnezzar his dream and the interpretation, and he told King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of that dream, he said that this, your dream was true, and the interpretation is trustworthy. It's reliable. Daniel said, I'm saying this, it's true, and it's going to happen. And how can Daniel say that? Because God is sovereign. 
I teach point four five on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays, and we've, been, we've talked about who God is, and we've talked about God being sovereign. And when we say that word, we just basically said, say it means he reigns. It's got the word reign in it. Sovereign means that God has the power and the wisdom and the authority to do what he wants in his creation. So when he says it, it's going to happen. Now, I know that there are a lot of people today who say a lot of things about what's going to happen and not nearly enough of it actually happens. Um, take election season, for example. Is anybody else excited to go into another presidential election? Whew. Uh, nobody raised their hand. There are a lot of people saying a lot of things about what they're going to do and what's going to happen and I'm here to tell you today that they are all liars. Every single one of them. There isn't a single person I have seen running for president in this election season that is not lying. There you go. You can leave today. Now you know that all our president, presidential candidates are liars. But it's true. Why are they liars? Because they are not sovereign. They don't have the power and the wisdom and authority to make all those things happen. This is God's creation. This world and everything in it is under his control. He's the one that has the power, the wisdom, and the authority to do the things. Everybody else, they're just talking. They'll try, but they can't make everything happen. So careful which king it is you choose to follow. Money, people, politicians, careers, goals, achievements, power, fame, all of those things promise a lot of things. There's a lot of this going on with all of those things. But none of them have the ability to follow through. God does. He says it, it happens. He says he's going to be the eternal rock that goes on forever and nothing is going to take his kingdom away. It's going to happen. Have you guys ever heard of King Nebuchadnezzar? Is anybody serving that guy these days? Ain't nobody serving King Nebuchadnezzar. And unless you're a history buff, I bet most of us in here don't remember the names of the presidents that came before we were born. Why? Because their kingdoms whoosh, gone to So careful who you serve. Is your king sovereign? And last, is your king able to hear your prayers and answer them? All the wise men, the astrologers, the diviners, the magicians, all of the guys that King Nebuchadnezzar asked to interpret his dreams were fretting because their king, King Nebuchadnezzar, wouldn't listen to them. They had asked him, like, well, just tell us the dream. And then we'll interpret it for you. But he said no. And they knew that their gods uh, wouldn't help them. They don't come down with us humans. So they were in trouble and they knew it. But Daniel and his buddies, the king they serve, heard their prayers and answered them. 
And they praised him for it because he heard, and he answered, and he saved their lives. What other king besides God can hear your prayers and not just listen? Because there are people who can listen to us when we make requests. But who else can respond with the ability, the power, the sovereignty, the omniscience, the eternal perspective to be able to answer your prayers with exactly the right thing every single time? There is nobody besides God that can do that. The astrologers and diviners and magicians, they knew that. Daniel knew who his king was and he praised him for being able to hear his prayer and answer his prayer. So can your king hear your prayers and answer them? God can. Is your king eternal? Does your king know the future? Is your king reign? Is he sovereign? Can your king hear and answer your prayers? When you choose a king in your life, when you commit your life and let something dictate it, when you follow it and serve it, make sure that that king can actually do what a king should be able to do. So many of the things we serve and follow and allow to rule over our lives will just be like all those other kingdoms that fall. They can't do it. They'll be gone. Get this, guys. On average, unless you are a famous artist or a political figure, you are only likely to be remembered for two, maybe three generations around 100 years. After that, your existence, gone. If you're interested in, in creating businesses and you work for a great company or you're, you have this great career, get this. There are only around 1,000 companies that have survived more than 100 years in the United States. That is left less than half a percent of all the businesses in the U.S. You work really hard for your entire life. You do all these things. You put your life and dictate your life around building something great like that. Gone after 100 years. Even if you're a king or a queen, the longest reign of a king is 72 years for French King Louis XIV, and recently we observed the longest reign of a queen, 70 years for Queen Elizabeth. But guess what? After you turn off the TV and have watched their funeral, what happens to their reign? Gone. Don't let money or careers or people, whatever it is, dictate your life. Don't let those things be your king because they will be gone like all the kingdoms before. God said it. It's going to happen. They're going to be gone. What king should we choose? Our God, the Lord of kings, the God of gods, Knows the future. Our king is eternal. Our king reigns. He is sovereign. Our king hears and answers our prayers. His kingdom will reign for eternity. Choose wisely who you will follow. As I close today, I'm going to read a poem, and it's by a missionary named C.T. Studd, and he spent his life in service to his king, our Lord, God was his king, and he served in China, India, and Africa, 
bringing the gospel to those places. In 1913, he formed the World Evangelization Crusade, which continues to operate to this day. And he knew that what we give our lives to, who or what we choose for our king, matters. Because only one will last. I'm going to read this poem to you by C.T. Stead. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Please say this with me. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon it's fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Say it with me. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens and hopes and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world, now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Who is your king? We only have this one life, and only one king. The eternal rock will reign forever. Everything else swept away without a trace. Who is your king?